You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, I'm excited to introduce a brand new sermon series, Gifted. And we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you. Because yes, God has gifted you as a follower of Jesus with spiritual gifts that He intends to release in a way that will be a blessing to you and a blessing to the world around you. And we're going to be using 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now, an interesting thing about this passage, which is the beginning of three chapters dealing with the gifts of the Spirit, is that Paul is correcting some real problems in the church. And what's so interesting about this is that the beginning of the letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, Paul praises them. He thanks God that the Corinthian church lacks no spiritual gift. Yet there were some problems. And I believe that God wants to release the gifts through us in a way that will not be chaotic, that will not be problematic, but instead will be beneficial to you and to the body of Christ and to the people that God has called us to reach. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Paul says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure Paul says that to people who are very skeptical of the gifts of the Spirit in the Corinthian church. Verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Now, Paul starts out by saying, I do not want you to be uninformed. And let's just recognize we're looking at a passage on spiritual gifts written, as I said, to a church that was in chaos. And they were divided over a multitude of issues, including spiritual gifts, and these included speaking in tongues. That's been controversial for us, not as a church, but as the American church for quite some time. When I first started following the Lord in the 1980s, I remember hearing in a Baptist context that speaking in tongues 
was the most divisive issue of the day. In college, as a new follower of Jesus, I attended First Baptist Church in Danville, Kentucky, a wonderful church with a wonderful pastor. One Sunday, a guest speaker was being introduced, and the deacon introducing the speaker mentioned a book that he had written. And the title of the book was, Why God Doesn't Need Tongues. It's not really the question or the issue. But the, the, the deacon then turned to the speaker who was waiting to take the pulpit and said, I hope you gave it to him with both barrels. <laughs> Much more recently, I heard about a conversation between a Baptist pastor and a Pentecostal pastor, Pentecostals being among those who believe in the gifts of the Spirit, including tongues. And the Pentecostal pastor said, 50% of the people in my church don't speak in tongues. The Baptist pastor responded, wow. 50% of the people in my church do speak in tongues. The reality is that in some ways the American church is catching up with the rest of the world where denominations of all stripes have embraced the gifts of the Spirit. This is really an American issue, divisiveness over the gifts of the Spirit. And probably it would be better to say that we're not just catching up with the rest of the world, we're catching up with the Spirit. This is not just about tongues. There's a diversity of gifts and all of them can be controversial when we don't have proper understanding. The two sides of the gifts that was a source of conflict in the church of Corinth was all about being uninformed. The King James Version says ignorant about spiritual gifts. Now there's nothing wrong with being uninformed by the way. It's only wrong when we willingly stay uninformed. So the two uninformed sides when it comes to gifts of the Spirit tend toward pride on the one hand and resistance on the other. On one side is that tendency toward spiritual pride and we're demonstrating a lack of understanding when we become prideful over spiritual gifts. Recognizing that you have a gift does not automatically mean that you're prideful either. I know sometimes just by virtue of saying I'm gifted in this or that people accuse you of pride. No. And it's good to know that you have something from God. But a real understanding will help you embrace the gifts of God without becoming prideful about them. On the other side of this lack of understanding is often resistance. Sometimes, especially in our American culture, it can be a matter of pride also, intellectual pride instead of spiritual pride. But not all resistance is because we're hateful or mean or intellectually proud. We as human beings tend to resist what we do not understand. That's really why I was at First Baptist Church of Danville, Kentucky in the first place. I had been raised Pentecostal and I had all kinds of misunderstandings from my Pentecostal childhood. So when I came back to the Lord after years away from Him, I knew I needed to find a church. And I told God, God, I want to go to a church where they'll teach me the Bible, but I don't want to have to deal with that speaking in tongues stuff. I wasn't being proud. I was just badly informed. I had a poor understanding. And with that in mind, I want to just get informed and help you to be informed by digging into this passage that we've just read. Now, let's first notice that there are three sayings that Paul mentions. Let's look specifically at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Take note of this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. In dealing with gifts of the Spirit, what Paul's doing here is pointing us to the Trinity. Notice he says, same Spirit, same Lord, same God. Same Spirit, same Jesus, same Father. Same Spirit, same Son, same Father. He's confronting the division within the Corinthian church by pointing them to the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the question is obviously, can the Trinity be divided? No. And we as the followers of Jesus can no more be divided over the gifts of the Spirit than the Trinity can be. And this also helps us to know that the topic of spiritual gifts isn't as is sometimes the accusation a matter of focusing only on the Holy Spirit to the neglect of the Father and the Son. We serve one God in three persons with the emphasis on one God. The gifts of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit involve every person of the Trinity. And we want to be fully Trinitarian. So Paul points to the unity of the Trinity. At the same time, in those verses that we just read, Paul points to diversity, three different kinds of things. So let's read that same set of verses, verses 4 through 6, one more time with an emphasis on what is different in each of the cases. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So there is a diversity. There are differences, different gifts, different service, and different workings. And these are all summed up in verse 7 as manifestations of the Spirit. So Paul's not trying to make a complete distinction of here's the work of the Father, and here's the work of the Son, and here's the work of the Spirit, and they're all different. No, he's using this in a way, and his description of the three different kinds of work to help us to know the nature of spiritual gifts. And if we grasp this, if we understand that there are these diversities of gifts within the unity of the church and the unity of the Trinity, we as his body can move forward in unity. And so what we're getting is a bird's eye view here of the gifts of the Spirit rather than dissecting them and breaking it down to here's a description of every single one of the nine charismatic gifts that Paul has talked about in this passage. Let's get a higher understanding and understand the nature of the gifts of the service of the working. Those three things that Paul has just delineated. And when we do, we're on the way to understanding the gifts of the Spirit, being used powerfully by God, and maintaining the unity of the family of God. So he says there are different kinds of gifts. They are gifts. That's so important to understand. They're not merit badges. They are from God, they are from the Spirit, and they are gifts from Him. And it's important for us to know that the gifts of the Spirit are not something that we can earn from God. We can't earn it. If we could earn it, they wouldn't be gifts, would they? We can seek them, as we'll see later on, and we can pray for God to bestow gifts on us, but we can't earn them. 
And if we can't earn them, then we have no reason to take pride in them. They're not about us. They're gifts from God. And if they're gifts, we should also expect them. Why should we expect gifts from God? Because God is a giving God. We talk about that in regard to finances all the time. But he is a giving God. He gives himself to us. And that includes his power working in us and working through us. That includes his gifts. And what we want to do is receive God's gifts. And I implore you, receive God's gifts to you. The gifts he wants to work through you. Don't resist, don't reject what God wants to do through you. It's awesome. It's good to remember that the ultimate gift is not a spiritual gift, but the gift of the Holy Spirit himself in our lives. Jesus said back in the Gospels, how much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask him? Let's expect God to give us himself, and that includes his power and his gifts. Paul also talks about different kinds of service. And there's a good reason to understand these as different services. They are service for Christ. They are the service we offer to Christ. They are the way that we continue the service of Christ. That is, Christ is still serving. How is he still serving? He's serving through you and me. They are now how Christ continues to serve a lost and hurting world. And that's why they're supernatural. That's why they go beyond mere human power. But they require us to take on the role of servants. Now we all want to serve Christ, right? How do we serve Christ? By serving the people that Christ came to serve. As we'll see later on in this series, we're called to honor one another without regard to what spiritual gifts we have. We should have a culture of honor that flows throughout the body of Christ, that flows throughout our congregation here at Victory Church. We're not in ministry to be honored. Whatever our ministry position, whether paid or volunteer, whether in leadership or whether under leadership, whenever we operate in the gifts of the Spirit, it's not about our honor. We are gifted to be servants. We're gifted to, to serve. Recently, we had some of our staff ordained through the Philadelphia Council of Clergy. And they were charged in this way, and this is very historic. Remember, you are called to serve, not to be served. But the same should be said for anybody, including the new staff that we're recognizing this week. Whatever our position, staff or layperson, we are called to serve. When I was a much younger pastor, I was invited to be on leadership teams for a citywide event and then for a citywide ministry. And I struggle with my decisions as to whether or not to accept that leadership position, those positions. And I talked to a trusted leader in the church, and he warned me that, you know, it's possible to desire to be in leadership as a point of pride. So, you know, with that in mind, I took it to the Lord in prayer, and I heard a really clear response from the Lord. Be a servant. Be a servant. Serve the city. Be a servant. And so that was a yes to leadership, but more importantly, it was a yes to being a servant. The motive has to be servanthood. We are gifted to serve. Now, years ago, we had a youth pastor who divided up the youth group into different teams, and each team would compete for points, and at the end of the competition, the winning team would get a prize. So how did they get points? 
by serving. I think that's probably pretty good, but what was the problem that I had with this whole arrangement? Well, I had a problem because I was told that the teams could get extra points by serving the youth pastor, doing such things as uh, raking his yard. And uh, that's not really the message we want to send to our church. That's a problem. That's a problem that some churches right now are being called out for publicly a culture of serving an elite group of church leaders. That just shouldn't be part of our culture. Can pastors and leaders be served by others? Well, yes, just like any other member of the church family, we can all serve one another. And pastors and other leaders aren't excluded from that, but we're not at some higher level where we're the ones that should be served. So we're all called, first of all, to be servants. All of us are called and gifted to serve Christ and to allow Christ to serve through us. That's what it's about. And to serve best, we need to do so in the way that God has gifted us and through the power that God is gifting to us and through us. Our heart is to serve. And my question to you is, are you available? Are you available to let God, to let Christ serve through you? So we see different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service. And then the third thing that Paul points to is different kinds of working. And he's talking about God as at work. This is the work of the Father in this case. We talked about the Trinity. This is the work of the Father who's totally involved in spiritual gifts. We need to understand that. Again, we are fully Trinitarian because, for one, we don't leave out the Holy Spirit. But we're also fully Trinitarian in that we see the Father at work too. The Father is at work through spiritual gifts. Jesus is our example in this. Jesus says in John 5, 19, that he only did what he saw the Father doing. And the Father's still working. Jesus said the Father is always working. The Father is still working and he is still doing Paul, earlier in the passage that we looked at today, talks about how the Corinthians had been led astray to mute idols. God is not a mute idol like the Corinthians served before they knew Christ. And our culture has a lot of idols too. And let me tell you, they're mute. They are powerless. I'm really tired of the idolatry. We should be distressed by the idolatry. And people devote their lives to our culture's idols yet they are mute and powerless, but our God isn't. Our God is not silent, and our God is not powerless. And we need to stop being practical atheists. That is, we believe in God, but we live practically as though we're atheists, as though God's not going to be doing anything. That's giving lip service to God, but denying His power. We cannot do that. Mute idols drew us away before we knew God. But our God is not like them. Our God is speaking and He is at work. And when we look at the gifts of the Spirit from this perspective, we can see the work of God. Let's look at the next verses, verses 8 through 10 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. 
to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit. You ever need faith during a time of doubt and wonder, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits because there are different spirits at work in this world, not all of them good. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Yes, speaking in tongues is a part of this. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. Loosely, and again, we're not dissecting all these and just you know, detailing each one. These point to God's revelation to us. These point to God's guidance. God wants to speak to us. God wants to do miracles in and through our lives. God wants to release these gifts through His church. The fact that these are associated with the Trinity should help us be aware that ultimately the gifts or working of the Spirit of God, of Jesus, are about God. They're pointing us to the one God that we serve. And we can't just get caught up in gifts apart from getting caught up with God. Let me say that again. We can't get caught up with the gifts apart from getting caught up with God. And We can't get caught up with God without also embracing the work of God. (laughs) We want to embrace the work of God too. And he's working through his church and he's working through spiritual gifts. At Victory Church, we have a huge emphasis on doing good works in accordance with Jesus' mandate in Matthew 5, 16, that we let our light shine by doing good deeds in front of people. And that's very practical. But we also have a huge emphasis on the supernatural work of God through His church. We we don't separate, we don't choose one or the other. We choose both to serve our world in love and to do so by the power of the Spirit as well through signs and wonders and miracles through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I believe, I believe that we're in the beginning stages of a spiritual awakening that will see an increase not only in good deeds, but an increase in the supernatural. (laughs) This past week, you might notice that I got a haircut. And I went to the same company, different location, had to go to a different barber since I couldn't get an appointment with my regular barber whom I've talked about before. But as soon as I sat down in the chair, the barber got a phone call and said, "Uh, I have to take this call. It's from my doctor. You know what? When he came back with a concerned look on his face, it didn't take a special word of knowledge to know that something was up. And I do think the timing of that phone call was supernatural. I really do. Still, he was gone for maybe three to five minutes or so. And during that time, I just felt strongly that the Lord wanted to do something in this barber's life. I felt it so strongly. And I, I guess we should always feel that God's wanting to do something in somebody's life. But you know, this was something different. I really felt it. I, I felt it in my spirit. And I spent the time waiting, just praying for this barber who I didn't even know praying for him in the spirit. And, you know, I expressed concern when he came back from the phone call, and we ended up talking about a lot of issues. And I'm not going to talk to you about those issues in particular right now without having had his permission. But at the end of our conversation, as I was paying and getting ready to leave, he expressed his desire to dedicate his life to God. Man, we serve a God who is not mute. He is not unable to bless. And God wants to bless not just through me, but through 
you. I want to invite you all into this exciting life. And you're all invited. You're all chosen to be a part. The central verse of this passage is verse 7. What is verse 7? It says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And two or three times Paul talks about each one, every one. With that in mind, I want to give you three reasons why even today we need to believe for spiritual gifts. Number one, and we've said it before, back to verse 2, God is not mute. Spiritual gifts demonstrate that God is alive. They demonstrate that God is working. See, idolatry promises a whole lot, but delivers very little. Our God wants to deliver, and God wants to deliver through His people, through His church. So so these signs, these gifts show that God is at work. Number two, when we're gifted individually, that gives us value and fulfillment that we can't find in other ways. You know, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. He distributes them to each one as he sees fit. Verse 11. See, we're made for much more than what most of us settle for. We're made for far more than what most of humanity settles for. We are made, you're made to do things that are humanly impossible. Now, does that mean that all gifts are just spectacular? No, not all are spectacular. Paul deals with that, and we'll deal with that in this series. But every spiritual gift enables us to do what we otherwise could not do. And each one of you is given a supernatural ability. And being used by God is a blessing. It's an honor. You know, sometimes when we think about being used, it sounds like, you know, maybe God is abusing us. He's not. God is inviting us into His ongoing work of creation, into His work of redemption, His work of conveying His love to a broken and hurting world. And each one of us is included in that plan. See, most of us probably know the shame or something of the shame of not being chosen for the team. With God, each one is wanted and each one of you is chosen. No one is left out. That conveys value. And number three, through the spiritual gifts, God's church is built. Paul says each one receives a gift for the common good. In Matthew, Jesus says, I will build my church. Jesus is building his church, and we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of something that's much bigger than ourselves, something that is eternal, something that the gates of hell, the gates of Hades will not prevail against. Jesus is building his church, and he's doing it through us, through you, through his people. This is spiritual work. It really is. And it's what God has chosen in order to display his wisdom and his power, his goodness to the powers of darkness, to the powers and principalities. And if God's going to show his wisdom through the church to Satan and all his demons, it's going to require spiritual gifts. But we get to be a part of that. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to explore more about the context for the gifts of the Spirit. And we, we want to be praying into what I'm talking about in terms of a release of God's power through spiritual gifts and through the good deeds that God has called us to display as a church. And I want to encourage you to be a part of that. We have a prayer guide that we're making available to you. 
called Invite Your Neighbor, and that's going to be available to everybody. We hope that you'll do whatever needs to be done, and somebody's going to come and share with you some of the steps about how to do that later on. But God wants to do some amazing things. Are you ready for revival? Are you ready for God to work spiritual gifts through you? I hope that you've gained something of a broader understanding so that maybe if you didn't understand the purpose of spiritual gifts and you might have even found yourself a little bit reluctant, a little bit afraid of stepping into the supernatural realm and the gifts of the Spirit because maybe you've, you've had some misperceptions or like I did as a kid and as a young teen, some things that just made me resistant to the gifts, that you'll be more open. Yeah, it, it's part of God's plan for His whole church, and it's part of being a Trinitarian church, and God wants to include you. If you've never stepped into what God has for you as a member of His family, you do so through faith. That's a gift. Salvation is a gift from God too. We receive it, receive it freely. And I want to encourage you, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, to do so right now. We're going to partake of the Lord's Supper in just a second, just a moment. And uh, we want this to be a meaningful Lord's Supper for you. And uh, if you don't have the elements right now, might be a good time to gather those if you're already a follower of Jesus. But if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, right now is a good time to receive Jesus. So just pray these words right after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I believe Jesus died and was raised from the dead and that he is Lord. Forgive me of all my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me live for you. Thank you for receiving me as one of your children. I'm yours, God, now and forever. Amen. You're listening to the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory, we are called to equip a caring, committed community of worshipers to reach their world for Jesus. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message.